0: When I was 28 years old, I was probably going through the roughest time of my life. I found myself a single mom going through a divorce. I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I was mad at the world. I was mad at God. I didn't want anything to do with church, religion.
1: I attended church every Christmas and Easter. Um, I was raised Protestant Methodist. I'd always wanted to get to church. I always wanted to read the Bible. It just There was always an excuse, um, especially for a long time, because I was a bartender, so Sunday nights, we were you know, leaving the bar at 5 in the morning. I was going through a very mentally abusive um, marriage. Um, I tried everything I could to make it last. She left the marriage, and I was left with, I didn't know what to do after eight years. Um, but I knew something was pulling at me
2: growing up as a kid i knew all about god i knew all the stories um, in the bible but i never had a relationship with the one that i was learning about and i tried to run a race on my own and understand that um, the value of doing life with others in small groups and just opening up those struggles so growing up in the church um, keeping all those feelings to myself it was horrible because it led me to spiritual death it led me to um, looking at the church as a place where i didn't belong and in those points of self-doubt and in those points of anxiety i fell into loneliness which led to depression
3: so growing up i didn't grow up in a religious home Um, we were believers but not followers grew up joined the military even my dog tag said no religious preference it just wasn't a part of my life met a girl fell in love. We got married. She grew up in a religious home. Fast forward to around 2016, I found myself in a dark spot. I was depressed. just wasn't me. It started to affect me personally, emotionally, physically. It affected my marriage. I was at the point where my wife and I were talking about divorce. We were looking at a place for me to live. We weren't in a healthy spot for the
4: kids and we both agreed on that. Uh, me and my family, we have moved from Haiti um, from eight months ago. When we came here in Ohio, it was a little bit difficult for us. It was not that easy. And my wife were, was pregnant at this time. The, the room that we were, we were living it was not in a good condition, it was in a bad condition. The carpet was terrible, smelly. My, my wife sometimes um, stand up and then hide in the corner just to cry because, you know, unfortunately it was not a good life.
5: Before I found God, I was living in Florida and um, I was going through a lot mentally. <laughs> I, was, um, I was really depressed, I was really anxious. And I was really at the point where like I felt alone and I just didn't, almost didn't wanna be alive anymore.
0: And I can remember um, always having conversations with my mom and complaining and every phone conversation ended the same with her saying, have you found a church? And I'd always kind of cut her off and say, no, I'm not looking for a church. That's not what I'm doing right now. So one day, I finally got sick and tired of her asking me that. So I said, okay, tomorrow when you get off work, come over. We'll look at all the churches within a certain mile radius of my apartment. And the next day, I got home from work waiting for her to get there. And I logged on to Facebook, just passing the time. And I had a message in my inbox from somebody from high school that I hadn't talked to for 10 years. All it was was a link to Rock City. I looked up Rock City, and it was about less than two miles from my apartment. And so I called my mom and said, hey, um, when you get off work, you can still come, but we're going to dinner, we don't have to do any research, I'm going to Rock City.
1: With my cousins uh, being at Rock City and just showing the building of the new facility in Hilliard, I was like, I gotta go check it out, see what it's
3: like. Out of the blue, a coworker of mine said, you know, we were talking, there's a church, Rock City Church, that I think would be a good fit for you so thought about it and just something said i should go check it out and went to a, a service at upper arlington high school by myself didn't tell my family what i was doing didn't talk to anybody just kind of went in the back and, and just listened to the, the sermon
2: so i found rock city in the summer of 2018 when i just randomly downloaded facebook and i started scrolling through and when i saw that the mission statement was making heaven full I was intrigued because I've never heard of that before, nor did I understand the idea of it. I didn't understand what it meant by bringing more people to heaven or just being the hands and feet of Jesus.
4: I first introduced uh, f- uh, to Rock City. I was in the laundromat, and I, I found um, um, a group of people with red shirt marking Rock City on it. Okay, when I get inside, um, there was a A gentleman who approached me, he said, how are you doing? My name is Eric. So we are here today to pay um, laundry for whoever will come there. The first thing I asked him, um, where is the church located? Because I was looking for a church to go.
5: So when I came up to visit my mom for summer break, she encouraged me to come to my first service at Rock City. And I got in the room, and the first song that we were singing for worship was, too good to not believe. (laughs) And just like that first chorus, like a wave of emotion just hit me. (laughs) And I just started to cry (laughs) because in that moment, I could just feel God trying to reach out in my life and that He really wanted me to be a part of His family.
0: I remember walking in and sat down and cried through the entire service. I was fighting it so hard for so long that he was putting me on my knees right where I needed to be and showing me that he was the answer and that you're not at the bottom and you can come back from this. And that was that was a moment that everything changed.
3: And at some point during the message, it's like everybody in the room disappeared and Pastor Chad was talking directly to me and it was about Issues going on in my life. And I went home and I talked to my wife and said, Hey, I've been going to church. And she was kind of taken aback. She's like, Wow, um, really?
1: I said, Yeah, and I want you guys to go with me. My first couple times here, Pastor Gerald um, had told his story about forgiveness, and I just wasn't at the point in my life to start forgiving. And I think the next time he took the stage, he had made a comment that hate is the furthest thing you can be from God because our God is an all-loving God, and just something snapped and it awoke me and just I just got more and more into it, fell more and more in love uh, with Jesus, and it's just really changed my life on, on on how I do things and how I look at the world now.
2: Rock City has completely changed my perception and my perspective of church. I've learned that. Church is not just four walls. Church is people, a group of people that are similar in their brokenness and their struggles. And I love each value of just making heaven full and just affecting every life that comes in through our
4: doors. We get inside. Once we get in the door, in the entrance, we ask for um, Brother Eric. Eric was greeting us. He was happy to meet us. And then now we were about to leave, in so I'm going to call Leaf again. To Eric said, um, "Let me let me lead you guys to your car." And then now he he knows that he realized that we didn't have a car. He said, "Oh, I'm sorry, you guys were supposed to tell me. I didn't know that." So okay, no worries, no worries. I'm gonna take you guys to your home every week. He come to my home and he took me to supermarket and fill my home with food. They, they keep doing things for me, unbelievable things they are doing for me. I'm telling you, um, I will never forget that. And meaning to say that Rock City was the rain of blessing in my Thank life. me all that, I supposed to say, I eh, eh, I
5: was living in Florida at the time and I was still watching online from home so I decided in October to move up to Ohio and I pretty much packed up all my belongings into three different boxes, mailed them to my mom's house, got on a plane and moved up here. I made a bunch of friends. I got to meet a lot of the small group girls from the youth, and that day we were doing the impromptu baptisms, and that was the day that I got baptized as well. My life did an entire 180. I started being able. To, I started going to school more. Um, my mental health has gotten so much better. Like my anxiety has reduced. I'm like no longer depressed, and I've worked so hard on my relationship with God.
1: Probably a month into starting at Rock City Hilliard, I filled out a Connect card, said, Yes, I want to volunteer. And about a week later, I got an email and said, Hey, you're on the parking team. And uh, I love it. It's, it's a blast. You know, bad weather, good weather. During COVID, I decided to um, take my faith in another way and was able to get baptized. Um, I had family there um, to see it. And um, I look at my old life and want no part of it. One of the most amazing
3: things was once I started attending, kind of feeling that connection, I felt that I wanted to be baptized, water baptized, and just never took that step. But then in 2017, my son came to my wife and I and asked if he could be water baptized. And I knew at that moment, that's why I had waited. And um, both him and I got baptized at the same time. And it was just, it was amazing um, just seeing the connection and just what God has done in our lives. He kept our family together. You know, in October, we'll be celebrating 25 years of marriage and we just can't look back. It's just been amazing.
0: My name is Stephanie.
1: My name is John. My name is Benson. My name is Michael. My name is Willie.
5: My name is Yana. My name is Morgan and I am the one. And I am the one.
1: And I was the one. And I am the one. I am the one. I am the one.
5: I am the one.
6: Anybody glad you came to church today? Come on, anybody glad you came to church today? As we celebrate 11 incredible years together. I I want you to, yeah, go ahead. Come on. 11 years of God's faithfulness it has been an incredible an incredible 11 years. Do me a favor right now, though. Look around you. Look around you. Just notice the many who surround you. Look at a few of the faces. You might know them. Maybe you don't know them. As full as these rooms are right now, I want you to consider this, that, that if, if you were the only one, if you were the only one here with us now, everything we've done over the past 11 years would be absolutely and overwhelmingly worth it if, if just for you. I want you to know that if just for you. Maybe you're watching online right now. If just for you. If you you were the only one, all the hard work and blood, sweat, and tears and sacrifice of 11 years would be worth it. If you were the only one, every prayer prayed, every song sung, every message given, every dollar invested, every season of fasting, every battle would be overwhelmingly worth it if you were the only one one. And that's because you matter. You matter to me. You matter to this team. You matter to this church. You matter to God. And when we started this church 11 years ago, I I just want you to know we started this church for you. We are for the one. And if you were the only one, not only would we have started this church, but if you were the only one, I hope you know Jesus would have still endured the cross if only for you. Come on, somebody. If you were the only one, if you were the only one, Jesus would have still sent his disciples out into all the world just to look for you if you were the only one. And that's because that's the kind of God he is. He is a good God. He loves you. He is for you. And if you were the only one, everything we do would be worth it. I want to thank John and Willie, Yana, Benson, Michael, Stephanie. And Morgan, for sharing your stories with us today, and and not just for being the one, but for using your story to inspire the next one. It is an honor to worship alongside of you. I, I too want to welcome everyone gathered at all of our locations in person today at our Hilliard campus, Polaris campus, Short North campus, and for the second week now, our brand new Whitehall campus. Come on, somebody. Welcome to you. If this is your first time joining us in any capacity, just know you you picked a good day for your first day. It's not a normal day. It's our birthday, so we're going to do some celebration today. We've got a lot to celebrate. We're going to look ahead. You're going to hear history, and you're going to get some brand-new vision. We're going to talk about how good God's been and where we believe God is leading us next as A church, And we just want to welcome you. If this is your first time, we are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. And to those who are tuned in online and on television, welcome to you. All the men and women joining us right now from prisons and correctional facilities from all across the nation, we welcome you. It is an honor. I would say this to you if you're in prison today. I think one of the best decisions we ever made was to partner with you. It, it really, it really is. And uh, I, just talked with, uh, I just talked with the leader of our um, prison ministry. He coordinates all of our prison uh, ministry. And, uh, and he said, Pastor Chad, we're, we're right now putting together like a, a five or six day mini tour. It might even be a seven day uh, prison tour. And we're just going to like, I think we're doing like maybe seven messages in five days or 11 messages in seven, something like that. And, um, and one of, the, one of the, the, the messages, one of the days it's going to be on death row in Chillicothe. Come on, somebody. We're, we're coming to you. So if you're, you're in death row right now and you're watching in Chillicothe, we look forward to seeing you face to face. Next week, we're going to dive into Jesus' message from Luke chapter 15. I, I want to encourage you, don't miss next week, because as we look at the stories that Jesus shares back to back to back in Luke chapter 15 of, of his heart for the one. I think if there's ever a season where the church needs to embrace the heart of God for the one, it is this season that we're in right now, particularly as we're so close to Easter weekend. And just so y'all know, it is an Easter weekend. It is Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday all day. Easter services all day. Come on somebody who's excited about Easter just a few weeks from today. And we're making it an Easter weekend so we can make room for all the ones who will be walking through these doors for the first time. We want you to have room to bring all of your family and friends. Please be praying about who you can invite and bring with you to encounter Jesus for the first time on Easter weekend. How about we uh, just open right now with a word of prayer and just thank God for how good he is and ask him to bless this time together. Lord, we honor you. You alone deserve all honor, glory, and praise. Today is about you. It's about what you've done. It's about who you are. It's about your goodness and your faithfulness. You are good when we're not good. You are faithful when we're unfaithful. You are true when we don't know what truth is at times. God, you you are perfect in every way. And so, Lord, we give you all the honor and glory and praise, not just for what you've done, but for what we're sensing your Holy Spirit leading us to do as a church together, that these next 11 would be more incredible than these last 11. And the 11 after that, and the 11 after that, from generation after generation after generation until Jesus, you return again for your church once and for all. We give you honor, glory, and praise. It all belongs to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Come on, can we honor Jesus one more time together? We're talking about Easter. It's just in a few weeks. I remember, it's funny, I remember our first Easter. Um, It was our fourth Sunday ever. We launched on April 3rd, 2011. That was our very first public worship experience. And that first Easter was April 24th, 2011. It was our fourth Sunday, and we were stunned not because we grew grew a ton on Easter, but because our church almost collapsed that Easter Sunday, and we didn't know what happened. I I think now, looking back, what happened was the the, the few people that decided to join us those first few weeks, they, they just all went back to whatever tradition they were used to having on Easter. So they went back to grandma's church and mama's church and whatever, it, basically any church but Rock City Church people went to that first Easter Sunday. And um, I didn't know if we were going to make it after that, but but thank God over the past 11 years, we've now become tradition for a whole new generation of believers. Come on, somebody. It's incredible what God has done. <laughs> I remember uh, being a young church planter and just, just thinking, I, I had this thought, like, like, God, how cool would it be to, to see 10,000 people gather on one weekend, like before our 10th year? I, I don't know where that number popped into my head, but it did, and, and uh, I just remember thinking, how cool would that be? And then I'll never forget Easter, or I'm sorry, Christmas Eve 2019, where, where we saw uh, in our ninth year, 14,148 people experience Christmas at Rock City Church and I I, I just couldn't believe, I was so overwhelmed and then of course, if you can remember back to some of you who were a part of our church then, uh, back on Easter Sunday, 2020, come on, when the church was supposedly shut down completely and 53,729 people experienced Jesus through through an Easter service online and on ABC6. And as I think back over the last 11 years, there are a few things that I get most excited about. And the first are the number of people who've said yes to Jesus. People like Mike, you just heard Mike's story. He was in a bad place, and thank God Mike had a friend. How many of you know it's good to have a friend who, who notices when things just aren't quite right with you? Mike had a friend like that, and his friend said, hey, maybe uh, you might get some Jesus in your life. I think you'd like this church. And Mike shows up all by himself, and he sits in the back, and he encounters Jesus. And he brings his family to church a few weeks after that. And, and some of you may know this, maybe you don't, but just a few weeks ago, Mike joined our full-time staff. Come on, somebody. He just joined our full-time team. Mike. Mike oversees our safety team, which means he coordinates all of our safety volunteers and all of our hired security and police officers at every major event and at every campus, at every service. He, he makes sure that we can worship without worry. Come on, somebody. Like, like how, how cool is that? that? That somebody who didn't know Jesus a few years ago cares so much about our ability to worship as the family of God that, that he says, look, if I can take all your worry away and just give you a moment to worship. That, that would be fulfilling my, my God-given purpose. So I thank God for Mike, and I thank God for, get this, in 11 years, the 28,510 people since launch, come on somebody, who said yes to Jesus. 28,510 people who've been saved in 11 years. That, that, is, that is more than seven people a day for every week of every month of every year. Since we launched in 2011, every day, say every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, which is what we're doing right now. It's what we do throughout the week in small groups all across the city. And here's here's what I love about this passage. It says, as they gathered and as as they enjoyed the favor of all the people, as they were on mission together, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In church, he's still adding daily those who are being saved. He's still doing it. I get excited about 3,566 people baptized in just 11 years. I get, excited that, I get excited that nearly 500 of those baptisms were behind bars and barbed wire and in prison yards. I get excited about that. I get excited that in prison, since we launched our prison ministry just four years ago, that we've seen 6,412 men and women behind bars give their lives to Jesus. I get excited about that. Now, I want to put this in perspective for you. I want you to pay attention to this. This, this will blow your mind. I'm, I'm talking uh, decisions for Jesus in correctional facilities and in prisons all across the state of Ohio. Right now, there are approximately 70,000 incarcerated men and women in our state. 70,000. More than 6,200 decisions. These are the decisions that we know of. These are the connect cards we've gotten back from prison. And if you know anything about prison ministry, it is very difficult at times to get information in and out of prison. So, so this is just the decisions we know of. And what that means is of the decisions we know of behind bars in our state, one in 10 of every incarcerated man and woman behind bars has given their life to jesus through the ministry of rock city church come on somebody one in 10. one in 10. if that doesn't blow your mind you ought to just dismiss yourself right now your brunch at denny's is waiting for you That's the first thing I get excited about. The number of people saved, the number of people baptized, here's something else I I get excited about. And um, honestly, when we ask people what what, what brought you to the church or what draws you to the church or what's kept you engaged in the church, uh, often the number one answer is I love the generosity of the church. And and I get excited about that too. And, And it's what we call beyond our walls ministry. It's everything we do beyond the walls, local and global, missions and outreach. This is where the church really becomes the church, the hands and feet of of Jesus. And in our first 11 years, I get excited that we've been able not just to serve all across the city and send people all around the world to do the work, but we've been able to invest more than $14 million beyond our walls into local and global missions and outreach. That's that, that's a lot of money, and you you might ask, well, what does it mean to, to go out? What, what what does that mean to to send beyond our walls? Where does it go? Well, it g- goes to places like the Columbus Dream Center that we started back in 2016. We we now have three locations for the Dream Center, short North Hilliard in Delaware, where through the Dream Center we get to provide meals and groceries and educational assistance, free medical care, laundry and shower facilities. After school programs for kids, emergency relief for families, homeless ministry, help with job placement, recovery services, you name it. We get to do that just about every single day of the year. It goes to providing more than 25,000 brand new pairs of shoes to kids in need all across the city. And tens of thousands of backpacks filled with supplies for kids before they start the brand new school year. It goes to to disaster response and relief. And it's enabled us to respond to nearly every major natural disaster, both nationwide and worldwide, by sending financial support, often boots on the ground, and always by supporting our major partners whose sole purpose is to mobilize wherever and whenever disaster strikes It goes to fully fund and support now a hundred pastors worldwide, most of whom are serving now in the 1040 window. (laughs) Pastors and their families who are who are planting churches where no previous Christian church existed in some of the most remote and hostile places on earth. And just to put that in perspective, we have about 80 full-time staff inside. The walls of Rock City Church. We support more pastors beyond the walls than we have pastors inside the walls. It, uh, it, it just, it blows my mind. It, it, it goes to building development centers for children, four development centers for children, two medical clinics in Central America and in Uganda, where we're able to serve multiplied hundreds of children in some of the most impoverished communities in the world where we can provide fresh water for entire communities and give these children and their families the help that they need, the nutrition, the medical care, the spiritual foundation, educational help where we staff these clinics, we stock these clinics, we, we staff these development centers, we, we fund and fully support them and we're seeing transformation take place in some of the most at-risk communities in the world. And church, this is just a small part of what we get to be a part of beyond our walls. And and if you'd like to see a, a more full picture of, of the, the hands and feet of Jesus at work through this church, I would encourage you, if you've not looked at this 10-year report yet, that you pick one up. They're available for you after every service in every lobby. And if you're watching online or from someplace else today, you can download this year 10 report right straight from our website, and you'll get a much much more full picture as to what it looks like to be the church beyond our walls. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. How many of you know those weren't empty words? That was not an empty promise. What Jesus promised to build, he is building. What he promised to fulfill, he is fulfilling, amen? by the power of his Holy Spirit in and through the church. And yet I think maybe the most incredible part of that statement is not what Jesus promised to build, but how he promises to build his church, not all by himself. See, I half wonder if when the disciples first heard Jesus say these words, if they sort of sat back and maybe Peter looked at Matthew and said, bro, you got those 3D goggles? We might want to put them on. It's it's about to be a show. And I wonder if Jesus looked at Peter and said, bro, you about to be the show. (laughs) I'm telling you to go. Come on. I'm telling you to go. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. But didn't you say you're going to build the church right through you? by the power and the work of my Holy Spirit in you and through you. You're not building the church in your own strength. It's my strength, but I'm sending you out. I've got work for you to do. See, I'm leaving this thing unfinished. And I'm gonna trust that that my church will be my church, that y'all are going to do what you've been called by God, commanded, commanded by God, commissioned by God to do. And, and here's, what, here's what we know, that a church that never stops going is a church that will never stop growing. Amen. Jesus said, go. And he didn't say, stop. He, he said, go. And he didn't say, but look back. He said, go. And when you go, listen, you're going to grow. And a church that doesn't stop going will not stop growing. And yet here's what else I've learned about the church. And of this, I'm more confident every day. We're 11 years in. I'm more confident of this today than I was on day one. That Today's not about us. We're not a great church. If you're looking for a great church, you might not have found it. But here's what I can tell you. We serve a great God. Amen? Come on. We're not a perfect church, but we serve a perfect God. We're not a church without faults, but we serve a God without faults. Come on, somebody. We're not a church that gets it right all the time, but we serve a really right God, a perfectly right God. What we do is we listen and we follow and we obey. What God does is He does the heavy lifting. He melts the hardest of hearts. He transforms the most crooked of souls. He heals the sick and He raises the dead and He breaks the chains of oppression and bondage and sin. That's why we say now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and throughout all generations forever and ever amen it all belongs to you God it's all because of you God (laughs) notice it's not to him who has done only it's to him who is able to do immeasurably more in other words, from a from a great God who's done great things comes immeasurably more great things. Come on, somebody. He's done great things. He's doing great things. But there are greater things to come. Jesus said, greater things will you do in my name than you've seen me do. What's he saying? Hey, look back. You've seen great things, but, but don't just look back. Look ahead. There are greater things to come. Anybody ready for some greater things? Come on. Anybody ready for immeasurably more? I remember back in 2015, we were meeting at the time in three different locations we were renting them all, movie theaters and high schools, any space that we could finagle our way into. And at the time, we began to sense the, the, the Lord leading us to put down permanent roots, to, to start to, to um, build our own buildings or renovate our own buildings and own our own spaces so that we could do ministry anytime, any time, any way, and without restrictions. And so what we did, many of you were a part of this. Back in 2015, we we launched our very first capital campaign, and we called it Run. And we established this three-year goal. It was massive for us at the time. It was a three-year, $10 million goal. And we said, look, if we can raise $10 million over three years, we can do three things. Number one, we can renovate and launch the Columbus Dream Center. Number two, we can renovate and we can launch the Short North Campus. And number three, we can build a campus in the heart of Hilliard. And we began to meet with people in the church and share the vision with people in the church. And we asked the people of Rock City Church, would you be willing to not just believe in this vision, but but to make a three-year commitment to help us make this a reality? One of the questions that we were asked more than once was uh, from, from people who really loved our church, and, and the question was this, that, that if we start to move toward owning our own spaces, do you think that that might impact our ability to be generous beyond our walls as we have been up to this point? I remember one person just flat out said, look, I came from a church where every offering that was given, it was just to pay the light bills, and nobody's inspired by that just trying to keep the thing from not dying. But what we love about this church is we love to to, to see the hands and feet of Jesus on display. We, We love what we're doing in our local community and global community, and we don't want to become a house poor church. And so if we start moving toward this, do you think it might impact our ability to be the generous church that we have been? And we gave a, a two-part answer to that question. The, the first part of that answer was, look, we, we've, we made a, a very principled decision back before ever we had a single worship experience. Our board of directors looked at this. We, we studied some of the most healthy, life-giving, vibrant churches in the nation. And we said, look, we, we don't ever want to be a house poor church. And so one way that we can make sure that never happens is we will set some parameters around our budget. And one of those parameters is a 20% lid on facilities cost. And so before ever we had a single worship experience, we said, we're not gonna spend more than 20% of our operating budget annually on facilities. And if we can maintain those parameters, we will never have to worry about becoming a house poor church. But the second part of our answer to that question, will this impact our ability to be generous? We, we said, actually, we do think it's going to impact our ability to be generous. We, we think it's actually going to increase our ability to be generous. Because as the church moves into these new spaces, we're going to be onboarding so many brand new people. And the more people we onboard into this life-giving, spirit-filled, Jesus-centered, Bible-preaching, missionally-focused church, generosity is going to increase, not decrease. Well, I'm able to say today something I wasn't able to say then. Back then, we just had to look people in the eye and say, do you trust us? We didn't have history to point to. Will you trust us? Enough people did say, yes, we trust you. About 800 people said, we trust you enough to invest in this vision. 800 people. 800. 800 people. Well, we just, if you look at that year 10 report, you'll see that in 10 years, we were able to invest $12 million beyond our walls. In year 11, it's now up to $14 million beyond our walls. What took us 10 years to invest in our local and global community missions and, and outreach. What took us 10 years to accomplish that $12 million. We're, we're now on track to investing that beyond our walls just in the next three years. Church, come on. Generosity has increased, not decreased. Our ability to serve our city, our local community, our na- the, the, the nation, the global communities. It's increased, not decreased. Because 800 people said... Yes. I want you to think about that because some of you are gathered at our short north campus today. You might be sitting next to somebody who was ministered to through the Dream Center some point throughout the week. Many of you are gathered right now with me at our Hilliard campus. These are incredible spaces. But I, I want you to think about this, that, that we're in these spaces because 800 people said yes. 800 People said, I'm going to invest in this because I want to see greater things for this church and for this community in the future than we're seeing right now. 800 people provided this. 800 people. When we opened the doors to this Hilliard campus in January of 2019, some of you were here. Our church literally doubled in size. Every location grew. These are good problems to have, but we were freaking out. We started to ask ourselves, did we miss it? Did we miss you, God? Did we not dream big enough? Do we not have a big enough vision? How can we continue to make heaven full if our brand new broadcast campus is already so full we can't bring anybody new in? The parking lot's not big enough. The lobby's not big enough. The auditorium's not big enough. The kids' space isn't big enough. God, God, what did we miss? How many of you know that when we don't know, God always knows. And when we think we've missed it, God's always one or two or many steps ahead. He always has a plan. So here we are, racking our brains, trying to figure out what, what are we supposed to do? We, 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 we stewarded what, Lord, you gave us to steward. It just doesn't seem big enough. I, I don't understand how we continue to reach people. We're, we're at a loss, Lord, six months After opening the doors to this brand new Hilliard campus, six months, it was June of 2019, we would receive a call from a board member at the only church that was operating within the Polaris development, a church that predates the Polaris development. No other church is allowed to exist within the Polaris development, but the church that predates Polaris. We got a call six months after opening these doors and the board member said this. She said, we're faced with a difficult decision we, we, we have a vision to reach this community. We have a vision to, to, to use and to steward these 35 acres that we believe the Lord has given us. Our church to steward, but we've not been able to. And our decision is this. We, we've either got to sell the property that we have and move into something much smaller. To a Walmart or some other developer. Or we can give what we have to a church like Rock City. Rock City. And we said, why Rock City? And she said, because we, we see the hand of God on this church. And she said, We 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 are we are willing to give you these 35 acres, everything that we own. We'll just give you the keys if, if you can have vision for this property. Now, our mind was blown as we contemplated that phone call and we, we prayed together. The Lord laid two passages on my heart for this team. The first is from Isaiah chapter 54. This is from the message translation where the Lord says, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the 10 pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family." You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be embarrassed. Do not hold back. You will not come up short. For your maker is your bridegroom, his name, God of angel armies, your redeemer, the holy of Israel, known as God of the whole earth. Now we read this and we thought to ourselves, Lord, if if what you're asking us to do is to simply make our tents larger and you're promising to fill them, then how can we not? Tell us what to do. Second passage, Amos chapter nine. God says, I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces. I'll repair the holes in the roof, replace the broken windows and fix it up like new. David's people will be strong again and seize what is left of the enemy church. If that's not a prophetic word for a church coming out of COVID-19, come on somebody, when the whole world has been shaken, if that's not a word for today, I don't know what is. Plus everything else under my sovereign judgment, God's decree, he will do this, yes indeed, it won't be long now. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening all at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and the hills. God your God says so. Now, as I I thought about that passage, every time I read that passage, I get a little emotional because I I love the church. I, I don't just love Rock City Church, I love the church. And we, we as a team, we looked at that and we said, Lord, it's not just about making bigger tents, is it? God, if, if, you, if you would even consider using a church like Rock City Church, who at the time had just about eight years of history, nine years of history under our belt at the time, if you would use this church to bring life again to David's house that has fallen to pieces, A church in the heart of Polaris started by a pastor more than 50 years ago, a pastor that that I never had the opportunity to meet. There are members on our team that did have the opportunity to meet him, but I never had the opportunity to meet him. A church with a vision to see the kingdom of God thrive in the heart of Polaris, but whose vision was on its last breath. God, if you would consider using us to revive that vision, to bring that vision back to life? How, how could we not? Just tell us what to do. And so we called that board member back, and three weeks after that initial phone call, they, they handed us the keys to the 35 acres that sits in the heart of Polaris, mostly undeveloped. And we answered the question this way. We said, we can have vision, and here's our vision. Our vision is to steward every square inch of that property. We will use every piece of those 35 acres to make heaven full. We don't know what that looks like, but we're gonna figure it out together. And so what we did, we've been working on this for about two years. Can you sense we're transitioning now to forward-thinking vision? We, we've been working on this for the past nearly two years. We, we hired an architect, a site developer. We, we had some incredible traffic studies done And we looked at the experts and we said, experts, you tell us what these 35 acres can hold. How many cars can we get on and off the property? How many people can we park? How many people can we see? How big does the kids space need to be? What about the lobby? Here's what we've learned in the few buildings that we've been able to build thus far. What would fully maximizing 35 acres in the heart of Polaris look like? You tell us what that looks like and we'll we'll know whether or not we need to move forward. Well, we're ready to show you, church, what that looks like. Anybody ready? Yeah. I know this isn't a normal, I know this isn't a normal weekend service, but it's our birthday, so we're we're just going to do what we want to do on our birthday. All right? so, it's our birthday. Here it is. You're looking at a brand new, state-of-the-art, 140,000 square foot campus nearly 1,800 parking spots, a two-story kids wing that will allow us to serve up to 1,000 kids at a time, a multi-level lobby, all to support a nearly 2,600-seat auditorium. I think we should head on in. Anybody excited for what's next? Anybody? Let me just say this if your mind's not blown, get a new one. Mind if I just get, make a few comparisons real quick? Anybody love our Hilliard campus? Anybody just love our Hilliard campus? I love this campus. I think we've got the most incredible team, the most incredible spaces. So, so this comparison, is like, it's like, um, I don't know, if somebody were to write a, a story about this, it's just going to be called The Incredibles. It's just, it's just from, from better to better to better, it's just incredible. I love this location. I, I want to compare what you're seeing at the future Polaris location to Hilliard, just so you can kind of understand the size and the scale of this project. This, this Hilliard campus is about 47,000 square feet. The new Polaris campus is more than 140,000 square feet. We have about 735 parking spaces at our Hilliard campus. There will be close to 1,800 parking spaces at our Polaris location. Come on, that parking team's excited. Anybody hear them? <laughs> You're you're, you're looking at, on on the left, you're looking at an addition to the current Tree of Life Christian School that is there on property. um, That that particular Tree of Life campus is maxed out with 150 kids. And um, we're helping to put a wing onto that school that will allow us to double the capacity to that Christian school campus for 300 kids. Really excited about that. The kids space, we don't have renderings for the kids space yet. I will tell you, it is incredible and it is large. It will serve a thousand kids at a time. We're still designing that space out. The lobby, let's just look into that lobby a bit. This is a real like bare bones look at the lobby, but let me just say, this lobby can handle a crowd. We, we, we can put about, I don't know, five or six Hilliard lobbies into the first and second level of this lobby. So it can handle a crowd. There's also an office wing here that's going to do a couple things. Our, our central offices, we're planning to move them from our Hilliard location to Polaris. And that's going to do two things. Number one, it's going to, by moving our offices from Hilliard to Polaris, it's going to allow us to repurpose much of our office space and to expand our Hilliard kids wing. Anybody excited about making our Hilliard kids wing? Just- a little bit bigger. So by us moving out of those offices in the future, we're going to be able to expand our kids' wing here. The other thing it's going to do by moving it there is it's going to give us room to grow for the future. And then, of course, this auditorium. Let's just take another quick look at the auditorium. In our Hilliard Auditorium, we have 1,400 seats. This auditorium will be close to 2,600. That's 1,200 seats more than what we're seeing today. And what I think is one of the most amazing parts of this this whole building is that we're only asking 20 feet of distance from where I'm standing right now to the very last row of seats. So we're pushing that last row back 20 more feet, but by wrapping those seats around and creating that intimate worship environment, as intimate as a 2,600 seat auditorium can be, it's intimate. We, we've been through it in virtual reality, it's incredibly intimate. You walk in and you're like, This is massive and this is intimate. 20 feet of throw, we're adding to the room, but we're adding 1,200 seats to this space. It is quite an accomplishment. And I just want to say this as we talk about being for the one, that as I think about the potential of opening the doors to this new campus in the future, that if opening the doors to our Polaris campus looks anything like what it looked like when we opened the doors to this Hilliard campus, we, we could very reasonably be looking at welcoming somewhere between five and 7,000 brand new people into the church just within the first 6 to 12 months. Come on, that's a whole lot of ones. That's a lot of mics. That's a lot of Morgan's. That's a lot of you. who have walked through the doors of one of our campuses, you've stood in a worship experience, you've sat in a seat and you've encountered the mercy and the love and the power and the presence of God. And he's changed and he's transformed your life. And now you, you've become not just the one, but, but, but you're one that's using your influence your life, to make it possible for more ones to come to Jesus. That's what this is all about, making room for more ones to encounter Jesus, making room for more families to be able to worship together, making more room for the next generation to see Jesus for who he is. Amen? Amen. I'm going to share some details with you right now. I'm going to break down the timeline and, and cost the scale of this project. You're going to get a lot of material before you leave, so don't don't worry about, you know, keeping track of all of this right now. We're going to we're going to send you out loaded and ready to go, but let me just break this down for you. We we are right now on track in this project to begin site work already this summer. We've already purchased the steel. We've ordered the steel, which is by itself, the largest, most expensive piece to this project. We've been able to now secure that price, pull the trigger on the steel. We can expect actual groundbreaking construction to begin this fall, which means that we are right now on track to opening the doors to this brand new Polaris campus in the first quarter of 2024. Come on, somebody. That's coming quick. That's coming quick. Now, Our Hilliard campus, if if, if you don't know this, this is good information, our Hilliard campus, this was an $18 million project. All in, this Hilliard campus was an $18 million project. And by the 800 who said yes back then, and just as the church continued to grow, look at all that we've been able to do and accomplish. It's been absolutely amazing. Generosity has increased. Outreach has increased. Impact has increased. It's just everything has been up and to the right. But this by itself was an $18 million project. Our Polaris campus is a $40 million project. Now, if you're like me, you're like, oh my God, how do we do this? Well, let me, let me give you some uh, kind of exciting news. If, if you're wondering how can we be moving forward on a $40 million project if you're telling the church about it for the first time today? How can we have pulled the purchase on the steel if we're just finding out about this right now? Like, like how can we already be on track to accomplish something if we don't even know about it until right now? Well, we've actually been, been doing a bit of work behind the scenes and what we've done is over the past few months, We've been meeting with a a very diverse cross-section of of leaders in our church. We couldn't meet with everybody, but we tried to meet with as many bodies as we could, a a nice cross-section of people in our church. And we've begun to, to share that vision first with just a few. And one of the reasons we chose to share the vision first with just a few is to test the vision. One way that you test a vision is when God gives you vision, if it's from the Lord, he'll bring the provision. He's going to provide for the vision. He's just not going to tell you to do something and then not help you accomplish that. You'll also find that people get excited about the vision. When you test the vision with the few, you get to find out where's the excitement level. Are people ready to, to, to dive in, to, to be on board with this? If you're running and you look to your left and your right and you look behind you and there's nobody else running with you, you're just out for a jog. You're not leading. Come on, somebody we wanted to make sure that we weren't just out for a jog, you know? And, uh, and so we started to test the vision with a few, just over the past few months. And, and uh, I'm just so excited to tell you that already, just over the past few months, with just a few hundred people in the church, $16 million has already been committed toward this project. Come on, somebody. $16 million has already been given, most of it already given, and some of that committed toward this project. And I want you to think about this. This, this, this was happening during our most generous year to date, during our most generous end of, of year Ever Christmas time, we, we did more beyond our walls in the past year than ever before. Christmas was bigger than it's ever been. And, 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 and the Lord was providing $16 million just, just from a few in the church. It is, that's nearly half of the entire project already given for this project. Now, that means we're off to a great start. And that has given us the the confidence that we need to to move forward with this project. What it will not do is it will not finish this this project. So that's where y'all come in. And here's what we're asking of everybody in our church. Two things. Number one, will you commit to pray with us and for us about this project? When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, what he doesn't say is that the gates of hell aren't going to put up a fight. What he doesn't say is that the enemy is without an offensive plan. See, what we know is the devil's not going to give up this ground without a fight. If there was a target on our back before this, there's a bigger target on our back now. And we're just asking you, would you pray with us and for us that the Lord would provide that we would be right lock and step with the spirit, that we would not be too slow in following him, that we would not run out ahead of him. Would you pray with us and for us to the name? We just sang this song. To the name that levels mountains. Come on, somebody and carves out highways through the sea who sends Goliath to his knees because that's the power of his name. Just a mention makes a way and that's the power that we claim. It's the name that rolled the grave. There's no power like the mighty name of Jesus. Would you pray with us and for us in the name of Jesus that his kingdom would be expanded in the earth, that God would use this church to do something in this city that would shake the gates of hell like they've never before been shaken. Would you pray? Because we can't do this without prayer. We can't do this without his Holy Spirit. And as I think about the tens of thousands of people that God has prepared to walk through the doors of a campus that hasn't been built yet? What if we miss the moment? What if we fail to steward the moment? What if we squander this moment? God, let it not be us. Let it not be said of this church. May we steward this moment in every moment. May may we use what God you've, you've given us to make heaven full. May we never be out of step with your spirit. And may this church continue to push into the gates of hell, bringing life and hope and healing and peace and purpose into people the way you've called your church to do. Will you pray with us and for us? And then number two, will will you partner with us financially to help us build this campus? We have enough to get started. We don't have enough to finish, and that's why we need you. And this isn't a hard ask. Here's all we're asking you to do is between now and Sunday, May 8th. Sunday, May 8th is what we're calling Commitment Sunday. So between now and Sunday, May 8th, would you prayerfully consider making a sacrificial two-year financial commitment to help us build this campus? You can say no. You can say I'm already doing enough. You can say I'm not interested in this, that's okay. But here's what I know. If enough people go to the Lord in prayer first and say, Lord, would you have me be a part? Is there anything that I can do? Let the Lord reveal that to you in between now and Sunday, May 8th, would you prayerfully consider helping us accomplish this project? Before you leave, you're gonna receive a packet. It looks like this. Everything I've shared with you is in this packet. It's got the details, the numbers, the plans, a financial pledge card, a commitment card. We, we're even throwing in a bumper sticker for your car. Come on, somebody. Go ahead and put that on today. If everybody participates somehow, some way, between now and Sunday, May 8th, we're, we're going to build this campus. The church is going to grow. Our impact together is going to grow. Everything we do for the kingdom matters. Everything we do, whether great or small, big or small, everything we do for the kingdom matters because everything God does endures forever. See, we're not building a church for us. We're building a church for the generations that will come after us. A generation that's sitting on the front row today. Our children, our grandchildren, their children, their children. We sang that song today. A church that will continue to shake this city and serve this city and meet the needs of this city. And reach people in and beyond this city. Long after you and I are dead in God. Everything we do for the kingdom matters because everything God does endures forever. And that means everything he does through you, everything he does through us, everything he does through the church. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? I know this isn't a normal Sunday. Next week, we'll get back into just a little bit of of a more normal routine. but, But I just want to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your church, for loving your church. Thank you for the people who are here right now. Thank you for those who've invested already for giving this team the space to dream bigger dreams. We we owe you thanks. We're grateful for you, for your work. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for grace, for peace for the many stories, for the many ones who've encountered you through the ministry of this church in just the last 11 years. May these next 11 be greater. May there be greater stories, greater things in store for your church. I pray, God, for those who are here now and and you would say something like this, Pastor Chad, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've been forgiven. You talking about the Spirit's work in us and through us? How do I know the Spirit's in me? The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, and the wage of our sin is death. And one sin will forever separate you from God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So you might not be the church right now, but if you would put your faith and trust in Jesus right now, you will be the church in this moment. You will be saved and you will be forgiven. You'll be welcomed into the family of God. If you would pray with me, just say, Jesus, here I am. I need you. I trust you as Lord and savior of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me through and through. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me daily as I choose to follow you, to live my life for you, and to make heaven full. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, can we give some praise and honor to Jesus? Come on, anybody excited? Come on, anybody excited? To be the church that we've been called to be, come on, to take ground from the enemy's camp, come on, and to declare new territory for the kingdom of God. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's incredible. And he's not done. He's not done. He's not done. Jesus, we honor you. We love you. We thank you in your name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.